Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 20th, 2015. I always find the world kind of comical. Because when you understand the cons all down through history and the systems that come from those who run the cons, uh, always connected with money, of course, and wealth, power. Wealth is power in this system of money. Uh, so they always run the big, big cons, and they have big cartels and conglomerates and so on that run and own everything in the world. And they're going for broke now because it's an old, old plan, old plan to grab all the world's resources, uh, convince the public through lies and lots of propaganda and deception and indoctrination that it's all the public's fault, and so they've got to pay heavily for everything. And they can now create this whole new Ponzi derivative-type scheme based on carbon taxes, carbon credits, energy taxes, and so on. And the big boys themselves uh, make money off uh, hot air, basically, you know, and, and carbon dioxide, which you, you all breathe out anyway, where carbon-based life forms don't forget it. It's the most profitable, massive business based on nothing ever created Backed by law, of course, and you're going to see all the laws just roll out. They'll blow off the, the dust because they've had these laws on the books waiting to go into operation for years. They don't, they don't just come out and say, we're going to do this and going to do that, and it'll take two or three years till they start getting around to how you work it all. It's all been done long ago. That's how the world's always been run, by the power elite, you see. And the systems they give you and teach you to believe in and even be proud of are such an awful joke, an awful joke, tragic joke certainly, but an awful joke in the long run when you look at it all, look, at, look backwards and see it and understand how unfortunately we are clay indeed, aren't we? We're clay, we can be shaped to believe in anything given the right type of indoctrination. And, can, and repetition of the same thing over and over until the words and phrases are institutionalized in everyday conversation. The big boys write about this themselves, especially those in, uh, in the big academies, because they're on board with it all. They're getting well-paid and well-funded to brainwash the public on behalf of their masters. But there's so much to it, you see. Uh, and it's boring. I mean, it's boring, dry stuff. It's also awfully frustrating stuff when you really understand the massive cons that are pulled on us all the time. And how most folk truly, I've said this before for many, many years, that I always kind of picture a pyramid of generations. Each, each layer of bricks is a, a generation, a massive pyramid of humanity going way back in the past. These represent all the people who lived and died, never knowing, never ever knowing the system they were under and taught to believe in and be proud of and go and fight for and all the rest of it was a big lie, a big joke. Yet all down through the ages, those who profit off the wars and everything else that they do and every system they bring in, uh, literally continue, 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 right this present day. And now they're taking over all the world's resources. And the laws that they're going to just unroll on you are going to push you into what they call austerity. See, you understand, they don't have to even produce things if they don't want to anymore, the big boys. 
to sell to you. They can simply have the governments, which they own, tax you for energy taxes, carbon taxes, all kinds of taxes, for simply existing. So they get money, literally for nothing, backed by law, because they own the governments. For many years I've talked about the whole history of this, you see. And for those who are really discerning, they can, they can pick up an awful lot in all the talks I've given to visualize this stream down through the ages, which has created empires, and before they crush them, they've already set, set up a new place to move into and create the next empire and so on, right to the present time. And there's a lot more to it, which I won't go into, but you can, again, and folk do, massively, use CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com archives. Go into the archive section, because there's thousands of talks I've gone through in many, many years up there for free. And it would help, too, if you donate once in a while for the use of them, because I'm not selling you anything. I'm not selling you promises to rejuvenate you to 18 years old or whatever it happens to be. I'm just telling you what it is. And again, too, I never came out in the beginning. I made it quite clear that the message wouldn't be for everyone. There are those who are perfectly indoctrinated, who do go home every night and suck on the teat to the television and get their downloads. There are also those who go through life wondering, just knowing something's wrong, something's awfully wrong. And they don't fall in so much to the traps of politics, the circuses that are put on for like big displays for the public to believe in too. I've said so many times, if, if, if voting in politics worked for the general public, the majority, not the special interest groups have been created by the elite, of course, but for the general public in total, it would be banned. It would be made illegal. But, as I say, in a money system where everything runs on money and only a select few, a club, have the right across the whole planet now through the banks they all control, through the organizations they set up that spoke on behalf of governments, private clubs again, they set up their, their Bank for International Settlements, which is to be a, 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 the big uh, deciding factor for a, a world government, deciding on all exchanges and rates and right down to uh, who pays for what for what and so on. And, um, and then their, their World Bank, they set up the United Nations with all its massive umbrella system of non-governmental organizations, all, again, funded by the same power elite that run the world and all of its resources now. And now they're going for the very air you breathe. So there are people who understand that. That's the ones I always wanted to get through, too. This is not show business for me, what I'm doing here. If you go into the regular media format, which you, which you take for granted, you've been born and raised with it, even with it, with it changing the format of how news is presented, then you become the message. The media, as Marshall McLuhan said, is the message. 
you, you, you're a lookalike, you see. And I don't do that. I don't want to do that. Because after all, if you were sitting opposite me talking at the kitchen table, I'd be talking just exactly the same ways I'm talking right now. And uh, as I say, it's not, it's not terribly exciting, except knowing it can be exciting, knowing what's really going on. Uh, and you're not getting drawn into the traps. The emotional traps are always set for you to, to debate, you see. There's always emotion involved. Uh, then um, if you really want to know what's happening, you, there's, no, there's no end of information which will put you on the right path. If you can handle it. Truth is not really for everybody. How many times have you heard in your life that don't talk about that, it's so negative. Well, you understand that that was even a science that was brought in to use upon the public, this whole idea of being uh, pessimistic and negative about things. And the whole optimism craze that was created through the New Age, run again by the big globalists, to make you look away from discomforting information which could save your life, by the way. That's a natural instinct, obviously. So deny a natural instinct and look towards the good things that might happen, you know, Disney fashion, like Disneyland, you see. And because most folk today are like that, they've been taught to be egocentric to an extent and to deny the pessimistic or negative, as they call it, and look towards the positive, as though you yourself can influence things. And that's what the New Ages are taught, by the way. You can influence things, especially in your own little life, because that's all you care about if you're a narcissist. A narcissist. And, and you make things happy just for you. And they believe they're in their little protective bubble. You see? And the bubble is going to get burst. I've given lots of talks in the past from the main sources on austerity. The United Nations, this front organization, has been harping upon that for years in a post-industrial society. We're primarily post-industrial in the West because it was all decided by the big boys who own all the governments to make you a service economy where you buy things from China and elsewhere abroad and middlemen pass them around until it gets to the stores and then it's sold to you. I explained too that that was all discussed even in before the European Union officially came out in the open and said we're not really about economic trading and stuff. We're really about a, a unified government to dominate the whole of Europe. And economists came out at that time and said we cannot become a service economy. They likened it to a dog falling into a swimming pool and swimming and swimming until it drowns. That's all you can do in a service economy. Eventually, this idea of reckoning. If you're not producing anything, then you don't have the, the tax base. You don't have the kind of profits. And you don't have even, even anywhere near full employment. 
in a service economy because there are all the production levels from the raw ore to whatever is it, it, to the finished products, all the different companies involved, because it gets passed on, passed on until you get a finished product that don't exist anymore in a service economy. You buy it from abroad. That's why China was set up the way it's set up by the same big boys that ruled the West. The money masters. Now, the money masters use awfully great uh, topics to convince you they got to change. You have to change your ways. You see? And then once they have you doubting yourself, then they bring in the, 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 the guilt process. You're killing the planet for future posterity. Now, the elite have always cared about their posterity. That's a whole story in itself. But they, they turn it on to you. And they're awfully good at that, turning the guilt on to you. Till you blame yourself. Yeah, it's true, you know. If I breed, then I'm going to create more children. They're going to need more resources. And those resources have to be made in factories abroad or wherever. And, and it's going to kill off the planet. <gasps> Sustainable development, you see. What do you think they mean by that? What do you really think they mean by sustainable development? They're going to develop, but they're going to keep a hold on something. What is it? It's like progressive conservative. You progress and you conserve what? Everything's tied together, even the terms they give you if you sit and think about them. And progressive liberals who talk about progress. As though there's some religious goal called progress. Where's it written? What define progress, folks? Most of you will use the term, but you never have a definition of what it is. If you're progressing, it's towards. It means you you know where you're going and you have a goal. If you're lost without a map and a compass, then you can, they won't see you're progressing. You see, it means you obviously have a destination. A planned goal. So you hear these terms all the time. And you hear them saying things like, and this, this business dialogue they use, they'll say, moving forward. Moving forward. That means, again, you have a goal. Are you involved in the goal? Destiny? No, you're not. You're not involved at all. When are you ever asked about anything really important that's going to affect you? Never. Never, folks. Never, ever, ever. Were you ever? No. No. Moving forward. Progressing. Sustainability. And I put up so many articles in CuttingThroughMeetings.com to do with the big boys themselves and all the links, etc. I've read from some of their very old books even, which haven't changed to this present day with the big agenda. When they make big plans, these folk work in centuries to pull it all off. Then they don't change. See, the big boys who control the world and money have a, car- a cartel. There's lots of bonds that hold them together. Lots of very interesting bonds that hold them together. 
But they don't get voted in with politics, no. They rule politics. And politics for you is the circus. The big nonsense that's going on in the States right now between this one, this one, and this, it's all a circus. And the guys in it that act as the clowns are getting awfully well paid to do it, and they'll win regardless, you see. Because they'll be involved, all of them, all of them, in the big carbon trading scams. Money for nothing and your cakes for free. Politicians, I've said so many times, come from a particular genre of psychopath. And they're well rewarded if they play the game. Psychopaths aren't stupid. They know what's in their best. That's all they know is what's in their best interest, by the way. But they're great liars. And when anything's in their interest, they'll compromise. And of course, politicians say, well, you have to, it's the art of compromising. How can you compromise right and wrong? You can't. But they get so well. It's amazing how they, they go into politics and, and they get so many thousands a year and they come out as multimillionaires, some of them, even in other countries like China. In politics. We never use the term corruption, you see. Once in a while they'll throw a little lowball uh, to some character down the totem pole in, in government, and that's a big scandal. But to make you think that they're all oh, cleaning up the act of them all and so on, to make them sure they represent you. It's all a show. All a show. I've lost count in how many countries that I've even been in, where you always see this when, especially when a party, a new party moves in, even on a provincial or state level, and and they go over the books and uncover some of the dirt committed by the last bunch, and they put a couple out there to to get the, the tomatoes thrown at them, and uh, that's the last you hear of it. They're well taken care of, even the ones who are picked to be the fall guys. It's all a show, you see. Ontario right now in Canada is going through the same thing from the last provincial government that ran Ontario. Uh, they found different scandals, etc. What really happened? Who, I don't really care because I've seen this all before. And the same bunch get back in, the same parties get back in over and over again. It's, so what does it matter? What does it matter? Now, as I said before, and I'm going to do as talk on this, Truth for most folk who have been brought up with TV fiction and drama and action and all the rest of it and cartoons and cartoon voices and all these things, uh, that's what they think is their reality. It's, reality, folks, is very, very dry. Dry, like the old books you go through. You wade through them to get a little gem of information. And some of them knock you over. You're going through. You're, you're half sleeping. You're halfway through a book, a big thick book, and, and bingo. Some near top poncho says something, which is utterly astounding in a paragraph. And then you put other paragraphs from other books together from the same time period. 
And you get a much bigger story, you see. Understand it. Knowledge is always scattered. That's why there's no one book is allowed to get out there with it all in there, you see. It's scattered by design. By design. And even those who are chosen to be professors, etc. I've done a couple of shows on that before. Where professors have told me that there are real archives. But only a tiny fraction of professors are given access to them. Real archives of real history. Professor Carl Quigley touched on that. He was one who was allowed access because he was he was made to be the the historian. He took over from a, a communist guy uh, on behalf of the power elite to be the historian, the official history keeper of one of the groups. They're on all the media that help set up world wars, world wars, folks. And it's just quite blatantly to take over the resources of the world for the same people in the big club. So very few professors get access to real information. You become, to an extent, that's a very interesting thing too, when you look at humanity, you become that which you think you know. You become it. If you listen to dramatic, emotional, media-driven information, no matter if it's mainstream or not, you'll become a parody of what you're hearing and listening or watching. A parody. You'll parody it, you see. You're supposed to think for yourself. Doesn't mean, and you don't believe everything you read. Always remember that in, like everything else is rigged, judicial systems, that which is given for the public to think brings justice. But supposedly it's based on, the verdict is based on evidence, the preponderance of evidence is what brings in the verdict, not a guilty or non-guilty plea, but the preponderance of evidence at the end of the case and the hearing and all the rest of it. And when you have so much evidence pointing to who's running the world and why they're running it and what they're going to do with it from their own books from years gone by, and you can connect the dots and find out how they work together so incredibly well. They're not in competition. Then you start to see that there's definitely a case there and the verdict is, yep, guilty. But you won't see it in the mainstream media because that's owned by the same power elite as well. There isn't a journalist in the planet who dares say truth. They tell you little bits of stories like it's kind of like looking at a photograph and you don't know where it was taken or who's in it or anything else. 
That's the kind of stories they give you. It's devoid of 95% of the meaning behind it all. What's it all about? And that's what journalists know. A sad thing I've noticed all through my life is that people, when wrong, real wrong has been done, won't stand up beside you if you decide that you're going to get up and do something about it. They know you're right, they'll admit you're right, their eyes go down to the floor, but they're scared to lose their position or their status or their job. That's one of the main flaws in humanity that allows a very arrogant, merciless power elite to continue what they do, doing what they do. So for those who have an attention span and who don't need a kind of uh, regular media format, with all the bells and whistles and the screaming ads that come on and the cartoon voice and all the rest of it, for those who can hold tension and want to really want to know logically, calmly, what's really going on, I'll help tie up some things. Again, this is evidence. And remember, it's a preponderance of evidence to bring you to your verdict or conclusion. And if you listen carefully, and lots of folk will listen carefully to a lot of the talks I've given over many years and written books about it and haven't even mentioned me, unfortunately. It's a shame. But again, that's another flaw in humanity. If you listen carefully, you'll, you can tie things together. This says, you know, you've heard already the climate thing as well. It's kind of open-ended. And there's no real commitment. Don't believe there's no commitments. This is a done deal, folks. Done deal, totally. Because, believe you me, the power elite's whole world agenda hangs on all of this and all their big plans for all of us. Funds for Obama climate deal survive in spending bill. Victory for the Obama administration, the spending package released by congressional leaders Wednesday won't block American financial contributions to an international climate fund for poorer nations. Now, that's your first lie, you see. Climate fund for poor nations. The money's all going through select people who've pushed this through your governments for years in every country, who have the financial stake and the profits from the climate funds and the green banks and, and all the rest of it, you see, and the carbon taxes. The money going through their hands and the profits they make off nothing, like bags of CO2, which they don't even have to show you because they don't have them. Uh, it's just going to be more stinking rich than they already are. And remember, riches, riches to the boys at the top, they already have riches. It's total power that comes with it to rule the world properly, you understand. The Bill of Greens and Democrats here doesn't explicitly appropriate funding for President Obama's pledged contribution to the Green Climate Fund. But since legislation doesn't formally block money for the GCF either, Obama's expect to be able to use current discretionary funding streams to send American money to it. You see? 
So based on what we have reviewed so far, there are no restrictions on our ability to make good on the President's pledge to contribute to the Green Climate Fund. White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest said Wednesday. The Green Climate Fund, or GFC, is a pot of public and private money designed to help poor nations, no it's not, prepare for climate change. No it's not. So last year, Obama pledged to spend $3 billion on the fund by 2020, and he's asked Congress to appropriate up to $500 million for it in 2016. Well, it's going to go up and up and up, because you see, it isn't just this Green Climate Fund, it's all the other institutions that the money passes through. They've all got their shares in. And... um, this goes on and on about it, but as I say, this is how, how they try and tell you that it's kind of iffy and don't worry about it and blah, blah, blah. It's a done deal, folks. Here's this article too. A vote for Green Climate Fund and Speaker Ryan's omnibus spending bill is a vote for Paris Agreement. And it says, in addition to the other generous handouts, renewable companies would receive in the omnibus spending bill. Backroom negotiators are also pushing for President Barack Obama's $3 billion pledge for the Green Climate Fund, which came out of the Paris Climate Change Talks, agreeing to allocate taxpayer dollars for the Green Climate Fund. That's you folks. Were you asked about No, you weren't asked about this. Do you mind? Most folk don't because they've been brainwashed. They're, they're causing massive catastrophe on the planet. It reminds me of some of the talks I've given many years ago on how ancient priesthoods, ancient priesthoods survived awfully well in their times, lived awfully well by the power they had over the public. And they got that power by the study, using their intellect to study things like eclipses and so on. Simple things to, to when, you're, when you're, you're not in the darkness of ignorance. But to the ignorant, what you show them is magic and power. And they would say, well, if you don't give us so much jewelry and gold and silver and so on, the sun ain't going to come up tomorrow if we don't do our little dance. And it would terrify the public. Oh, God, there'll be no tomorrow, no future. The children will die off too. Same con is being used today with a lot of hot air. You see? Climate change has always been happening up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. It always will happen. This is agreeing to allocate taxpayer dollars for the Green Climate Fund is effectively giving a congressional stamp of approval to the Paris Protocol. Now, whenever I read a story from one country, you can apply it across all the rest too. All of them are doing the same things at the same time because this thing was set up years ago, folks, years and years ago. And all of its entirety and how it will be unrolled step by step and how the prices will be unrolled step by step and so on and so on. According to Bloomberg, the trade-off for lifting the decades-old ban on crude oil exports would be authorizing $3 billion for the Green Climate Fund. So that's the con that they're giving you there, too. In other words, it's not going to harm you. It's going to, it's going to come from the oil exports and stuff. Oh, no, it's, 
It's already said taxpayers are going to pay this. See? And they give you again the usual confusing story as to why, 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 which has nothing to do with truth. Isn't it astonishing, as I've said so many times, that all the big international corporations, the big mega corporations, are all on board, all on board with climate uh, fund and, and, and carbon taxing the public and everything else. And you think, well, how can you do that? I mean, why would oil companies be on board with this? Well, you see, they get billions given to them, just like they did across Europe that's been into this carbon trading for big corporations. Because they've all got doled out so many billions of carbon trading credits to start it up. Just, in other words, we paid for them to start it off, these companies. They then trade these things like, like game cards or something. Uh, and make profits on it. They're all in on it, folks. This is the biggest, greatest con ever devised by the elites. Even better than the window tax, which they also called the fresh air tax in Britain. But when the stewards brought it in to get raised taxes, he said that they'd tax you on how many window panes you had. And they called the light tax, the fresh air tax. And that's why you see in very old buildings in Britain uh, where windows used to be, they're all bricked up. That was the way the people protested it. Anyway, so the Green Climate Fund is nothing more than a taxpayer-funded wealth transfer from developed countries to developing ones. The purpose of this fund is to subsidize green energy and pay for other climate ad- adaptation and mitigation programs in poor nations and to get buy-in literally from those poor nations. Everyone must work for the planet, you see. It's something I used to, in the very early days when I was really young, I mean really young, I had to know why multi-billionaires and top professors and so-called literally capitalistic countries, with a lot of them being top capitalists themselves, were all for communism and and Nazism and so on. Well, when you go into, again, the group that was set up initially, I had moved this group, by the way, from other countries that set empires up, but they called themselves the Alfred Milner Group in London, England. To take over the world's wealth. They already ran, the boys involved, and big families involved, already ran the big trading uh, routes and so on, shipping companies, etc., But they were so adamant they wanted this well-behaved, obedient population who they could send off across the world to fight for whatever con they gave them to fight for so they could themselves take over more power over all those nations and all the people living in those nations. Became the Royal Chief for International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission. All, All arms of the same organization. And it's still going on. And they like obedient, well-behaved, well-trained populations all working for the big, the big con. That's why they love the mass man wearing uniforms in the Soviet system. They love this mass man idea 
where you're all like clones of each other with the same incredible brainwashing. And truly convinced that, that you, the little boy at the bottom, the little uniform on, making them believe they're all part of some great movement towards some strange utopia in the future which is never going to arrive for you. Because it's a con, it's a racket. And even says at the bottom, and bureaucrats would likely use the $3 billion to play with, uh, to fund their pet green projects, perhaps giving rise to more cronyism, because everybody who's pushing this at the top has got massive stakes in it and big handouts for so-called green energy. We've seen Mogul Wonder, of course. We've seen electric cars go on fire and all the rest of it. But it doesn't matter. Isn't it fantastic when you're already multi-millionaires and billionaires? Isn't it wonderful to, to have such power over, because you belong to the club that owns governments, to get the government to mandate legally that they're going to give you taxpayer money to start off another new business for you. Your cost up is nothing. Can you get that, folks? Can you get that? Any of you get that? You don't belong to the right club. Another article on the Green Climate Fund. Now remember, everything I read, I put up the links to them for those who truly can hold concentration beyond two or three minutes. You'll definitely, definitely be helped by understanding this and, and looking up the links. The Green Climate Fund is a fund within the framework of the United Nations FCCC. <laughs> Founded as a mechanism to assist developing countries, no it's not, in adaptation and mitigation practices to counter climate change. Now, adaptation is how you can all be trained and to adapt and to behave, and that's the whole thing, behavior in a new system. They want to cut down the population drastically, and that's where mitigation comes in as well. You, you mitigate the people having uh, family sizes and so on. In fact, you might even ban them eventually. They've actually talked about that in some countries. But as to counter climate change, the big thing is going to kill you all. Like, you know, the, the sun's not going to come up tomorrow if you don't give us all your money. So the Green Climate Fund, GCF, is based in the new Songdo district of Incheon, South Korea. Governed by a board of 24 members, and initially supported by a secretariat. Did you get any say in that? No. Most of you don't even know about it. And why would they set it up in South Korea? The Green Climate Fund will support projects, programs, policies and other activities in developing country parties using thematic funding windows. Oh, that sounds awfully, awfully scientific. I'm really impressed with it. It's intended to be the centerpiece of efforts to raise climate finance of $100 billion a year by 2020. This is not an official figure for the size of the fund itself, however. Disputes also remain as to where the funding target will be based on public sources or whether leveraged private finance will be counted towards the total. Only a fraction of the sum had been pledged as of July 2013 mostly to cover start-up costs. According to the Climate Development Knowledge Network, at the third meeting at the board in Berlin, Germany, March 2013, members agreed on how to move forward, again, here's your moving forward thing, with the fund's business model framework, 
they identified the need to assess various options for how nations could access the fund. Approaches for involving the private sector plus ways to measure results and ensure requests for monies are country-driven. At the fourth board meeting in Songdo, South Korea, in June 2013, Hila Chikruhu, a Tunisian national, was selected to become the fund's first executive director. Resource mobilization, which is establishing a process for funding pledges, is expected to be the most contentious issue for the fifth board meeting in Paris, France, and that was in 2013. This is some of the history of it here. The history goes back to the Copenhagen Accord, established during the 15th Conference of the Parties, which they call COP15. And Copenhagen 2009 mentioned the Copenhagen Green Climate Fund. It was formally established during the 2010 United Nations Climate Change Conference in Calcun, and is a fund within the UNFCCC framework. Its governing instrument was adopted by the 2011 Climate Change Conference in Durban, South Africa. And it goes through some of the history, the Green Climate Fund. It goes way back, actually, the idea. And um, the committee met four times a year, generally at least, at least four times a year, and probably still doing, and more to come. And the sources of finance, Green Climate Fund, intend to be the masterpiece of long-term financing under the United Nations FCCC. That's the Climate Change Committee. Well, it sets up a goal of raising $100 billion per year, by 2020, well, I think what they should do is empty the UN out of all the so-called, you know, uh, fat cats that run it all. That's all of them, and uh, make them work for a living. And that would give them get a lot of taxes to pay for everything they want. You see. Anyway, uncertainty over where this money would come from led to a joke that like they didn't know where it was going to come from. To the creation of a high-level advisory group on climate change financing, it was founded by UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, February 2010. No formal connection between this panel and, and the Green Climate Fund, although its report is one source of debates on resource mobilization. The lack of pledge funds and potential reliance in the private sector is controversial and has been criticized by developing countries. And um, again, it goes through a lot of the history of this. It's quite lengthy. I won't go through I'll put the link up tonight to show you all the things of how they're going to finance it. But it's primarily you who's going to finance it. And even the corporations, as they make money on trading carbon credits amongst each other, are going to tax you more, because it always goes down the line to the guy who has to buy the thing at the end, right? Even your food. Uh, so it all gets passed on to you. Quite something. And the big corporations are on board with it naturally because it was all designed to be that way. Stakeholders, they've got stakes in it, you see. And as I say, now, do you get a vote in it? Did you get a vote in any of this? This austerity program for you? No. See, the United Nations is a private, incorporated body. And it's not set up, and never was, to be democratic. The big boys always wanted, as I said, a totalitarian system. But they would use the idea of democracy to demolish countries and have revolutions and so on. To get to the system where they could then con all the public to give up all the rights to work for the big plan, the big grand plan. You know, the, the greater good. To save us all. 
This was planned a long, long before you were born, folks. I see, I'll put this up to make this this one here. And then you got this one. Outcomes from COP21, the Conference of Parties. It says, forest is a key climate and development solution. I've read articles on this before, but this is this month. And one of the big jokes about it, too, was uh, certain countries wouldn't have to pay so much if they had lots of forest. The idea being uh, that the forest would soak up so much CO2, you see, called carbon sinks. And then Canada thought it would be okay, you see, because masses of wherever you go, there's just nothing but forest. And then it turned around to the United Nations and says, ah, but Canada's got the wrong kind of trees. (laughs) Uh, And you think they're going to win here, eh? Uh, so this is uh, forest is a key climate and development solution. Healthy forests and landscapes can help us realize real reductions in global emissions in the short and long term. This is last weekend at COP21. Paris international governments recognized and acknowledged the key role that resilient forests and landscapes play for both climate change and development. In the final agreement achieved and through a number of financial pledges and green initiatives. What's a green initiative? Healthy forests absorb immense amounts of carbon dioxide, providing, ascent, except carbons, uh, providing essential carbon sinks. However, when deforestation happens, often due to logging or converting land for agricultural use, you know, feeding the people, forests release damaging greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Because of this important climate regulating function, the land sector and forests in particular are critically important both post-2020 agreement and for the immediate actions necessary to, cl- to slow climate change. So the high priests, you see, they'll come out and bamboozle you, uh, are playing the old con again, because you've always had climate change. We've had ice ages and warming ages and ice ages again, and all, on and on it goes. The 2015 UN Climate Change Conference Paris was a pivotal moment for forests because their role in combating climate change was formally recognized. These trees are going to get a medal. This was this one for forest builds on the important Warsaw framework for REDD, Red Plus it's called, which stands for reducing emissions from deforestation and forest degradation. They came at the 2013 UN meetings. This year, 195 developed and developing nations came together to agree on a new climate deal, including the global goal of keeping temperatures below, uh, well below, it says, 2 degrees Celsius. Now that, there's a boy, I tell you, they'll be playing God, eh? But again, it's all con, isn't it? To do this agreement uh, relies on each country's contribution to cutting emissions, so money is going to cure everything, just money and profits for the big boys involved. Maybe it's because they're going to hire more priests to pray to the big deity or whatever, whoever deity it is, and, uh, and cull us off too, you see. Maybe that's the whole idea, that they have to keep culling us off as sacrifices to the big deity until very few are left breathing. And so according to an informal review in late November, nearly 80 countries identified the land sector, which covers agriculture and forestry in their climate action plans. As an area of focus for reducing emissions, the World Bank Group, again, was set up by the, the Milner group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which owns the CFR branch 
and the Trilateral Commission. Because uh, the whole operates a front to take over the world's resources, totally, from the very beginning. And Professor Carl Quigley, their historian, actually says that in his own books. Anyway, it says that through his support of various forest and landscapes initiatives, has helped many countries make actions necessary to be ready to include forests in climate action plans. The Paris Agreement gives the world a fighting chance. Oh, see, we're in a big, big war here, you see, for survival. Remember the Club of Rome? Because they were given the task to find a, a reason, a reason to, you know, that the people would believe in if they were conned enough the propaganda. To come together, give up their nationalities and all their rights and everything else to fight a common enemy. And the common enemy they decided upon eventually was you know, the folk weren't going to fall for alien invasions and stuff. No, man was the problem. You're in a war. And it's an instinctive thing about wars when you're attacked. You, you, your own self-preservation and, your, and, the, and the same mechanisms that go into preserving the family units and your little tribe and all that, they come into being. And that's what they use. They've got lots of studies on all of you and how you work, you see. And they're going to utilize it all. Anyway, so you've got a fighting chance to avoid dangerous global temperature. A fighting chance, there you go. While conserving vulnerable ecosystems. It says, Red Plus, in the final climate agreement, parties explicitly recognize the role forests have in offsetting human actions. It's a clear call to action for countries to endorse policies that conserve standing forests. The agreement indicates that tropical and subtropical countries could receive both public and private funding. So tax money again. If they succeed in reducing their emissions from deforestation and forest degradation, emissions that often come from activities like logging or clearing trees for ranching. This explicit inclusion of the mechanism known as Red Plus builds on years of work by governments. Did you know that? Years of work by indigenous peoples, civil society. Were you all involved? I didn't know that. You're always learning, yeah? you're all involved in that, and you, had, you took part in it, I didn't know that. And funding institutions to find ways to possibly incentivize countries to reduce carbon emissions at a landscape scale and conserve their standing forests at the same time. Then it goes through forest financing, the Paris Agreement, so on. And it's got the, it tells you a lot of the countries are involved in this, and where your tax money is already gone, for those who don't know it. And it's, it's quite the propaganda piece, to say. Bell puts this up tonight. It's, it's quite lengthy. If you go through, and lots of links involved just in this one article. It's lengthy, but you, you get the, the gist of it. And you'll see how this is not no, no big sudden surprise. Why do you think all the big boys, all the big names that you know, the stinking rich ones, are all for all this? You see, what wouldn't they be getting tax more? No, folks, they're going to profit off it all. Plus, they're going to use all your money to start up even more businesses for themselves. No green businesses, you know, and to save the planet. We're all in it together, you know. That's what I was seeing in war. You're all in it together. You're all in it together. I was thinking, too, with this carbon trading, and I mean Rothschilds and all different groups have talked about sinking CO2 in deep tunnels under the sea. Who's going to check on it to see if it's real? Or if it even exists? Or even test it, see what's in it? 
It's all a racket. I'll tell you though, the carbon trading is something else. They're trading nothing. Everyone can get rich at this. I'm telling you, when they put your carbon taxes on you, little old you, listen to this now. Here's what you should do. From now, and especially through Christmas and so on, go to the party stores and collect all the, the, the balloons you can get. Empty balloons. And f- blow them up. And tie them, you see. So the air can't escape. And when they come, it tax you. Just say, come in, and you've got a whole room laid aside in a basement full of balloons containing carbon dioxide. And they'll have to buy it off you. You've done your bit. And you want to pay any carbon taxes. Every breath you take, I'll be watching you. And you see, these are the rackets that go on, you see. Because the big boys at the top don't have to prove anything. They don't have to actually prove anything. They just say they are doing it to save CO2 from taking over. This trace gas, trace gas in the atmosphere that makes plants grow. But reality, remember, we live in an age where reality doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. When you got a religion created around the green idea, and top guys like Gorbachev talking about that, creating a green religion to teach the children to be, you know, brainwash the kids. They grow up and be willing little mass man servants, all in it together, wearing the same little green uniform, living in utter austerity to save the planet, on behalf of those that own it already. Were the guys that fly above you all the time, they're little private jets, and it's not so little actually. The guys who can afford to pollute the skies. Because no one will ever object to them doing it. Because they own all of you and the systems and the Green Fund and the carbon con, you see. Facts don't matter. No one has agendas at stake. Big agendas for global government. But the big boys will control without the mess of having to go through different bureaucracies and governments and so on. The world, the world government. And when they mandate things in the world government level, you ought to jump to it right away. They might still let you have your little petty politicians to fill their pockets for a little while. The yes-men. The wannabe king types. You know. Ego's an awful thing, isn't it? Ego truly is an awful thing. When folks start to believe they're great, they're lost. They're lost, folks. You know? And there's lots out there like that, the petty, lower-level psychopaths. There's no end to them. They get born in every generation. And psychopaths know what's good for themselves. That's all they care about. And their image, because they're in love with themselves. Now remember, folks, too, I'm not ending it with just just this, but uh, this is a start, a little start for you of things to wade through. And there's more to come. 
Because what's happening is going to change the entire planet and their way of living. By reducing the population. But you bring in mass austerity, folks. That in itself is a, a persuasion not to have children. A disincentive. Economists all know that too. If you want to reduce population, tax people higher and higher, and they won't have children in developed countries. But also to save the world. Save all, save the future for the elite, you see. Uh, then you've got to find other ways to build it. They found all the other ways to do it. Because your fees galore, licensing galore, and so on, all part of the hidden disincentives to have cars, to heat yourself in the winter, just start, just freeze to death like they're doing in Britain now. That's not all incidental what's been happening in Britain for the last few years. Thousands of people every year dying frozen in their homes. Pensioners. And no one says boo. So when they do it on a much bigger scale, it'll be the same thing. You'll start your ridiculous media telling you, oh, it's wonderful. Enjoy yourself. Watch Disneyland. Escapism. As you die off. Quite something, isn't it? So learn, and I'll teach you what's really going on, etc. Remember, you start kinds at cutting3minutes.com and plow through the stuff. It'll help you start to learn again how to concentrate and hold your attention. As I say, truth is not for everyone. A lot of folk really don't want truth. They want you to promise them a happy ending because that's how they've been trained all their lives by the media and fiction. And remember, too, you can buy the books and discs at cutting3minutes.com and you can donate. And you can just go into the, the website and you'll find out how to do it. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada. It's good night, Samir. God, your gods go with you. Remember, buy lots of balloons. 